0: Well, hello. Yes, it's me. We're going to go live, even though Anthony's not here yet, because I have to record a show. And I'll be goddamned if a Scotsman is going to stand me up and ruin my show. So, without further ado.
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
0: What is happening, everybody? Yes, welcome to Electric Liberty Land. I was trying to adjust this. I don't like the the camera auto-adjusting. It always screws me up and always seems to uh, locate on something that is not, in fact, in the foreground or the background. But anyway, hey, welcome to the show, guys. I am Brian McWilliams, here alone, all by myself. Because Anthony is supposed to be on the show, my friend, a man that shares a bloodline, some could argue, proud Scotsman. And yet, despite confirming earlier today, despite uh, letting him know that, yes, we'll be recording, confirming with him, making many meow kitten jokes and sexual references back and forth on Facebook Messenger, I am here alone, sitting here talking to you. But that's all right. You know what? Because I don't need anybody. I don't need to talk about universal basic income. I don't need to talk about solutions. I don't need to talk about shit. All I need is you and me and this microphone spitting hot truth. And that's what we're going to do. And see, maybe he'll come. Maybe he'll pop in. It'll be fun. It'll be like a live call-in show, except the guy calling in live will actually be the guest that's supposed to be on the show. Super Spreader Samroff. Super stand-up Brian McWilliams Spreader Samroff. <laughs> Anyway, I got plenty to talk about, but before I talk about any of this other stuff, like I want to talk about something that I just saw, which is too funny. Uh, speaking of British related authors, and I don't know if Anthony is pro Scottish independence. I would think he probably is, uh, but You know, I don't know if he identifies as British or as a member of the United Kingdom, uh, but I will say another very famed United Kingdom author, George Orwell, just got a very interesting trigger warning placed upon one of his books, which is The Height of Irony. But before that, I want to tell you guys about a brand new sponsor for the show. That is IP Vanish. IP Vanish VPN. Because, guys, are you tired of getting watched on the internet? Are you tired of people stalking your info, stalking your data? Tired of having your your information, your personal uh, privacy out there for hackers, for scammers, just for everybody in general? Well, IP Vanish is going to help you get in there, protect your right to privacy, and help you stay anonymous. Now, IP Vanish helps you browse the internet. Without exposing private details, uh, you can use IP Vanish on a tablet, on a computer. You can basically put it in anywhere you are going to be browsing online and be safe and protected for your personal information. It doesn't slow your computer down, by the way. It is a one click, bam, process. You click it, you're good to go with IP Vanish. All of your data is encrypted. That means private details, passwords, browsing history which is very important. <laughs> All of this is completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location is masked by IP vanish. You're virtually invisible online. It's just that simple. Now, they're offering an amazing value right now, 70% off a plan, yearly plan for our listeners here at the Lions Liberty podcast. Basically, you get in, you get a 30-back money money guarantee and essentially you're getting 9 months free of this service. So, Super easy. Like I said, it's a one button tap and click. You're on there. You're protected. Uh, stop sharing with everybody out there in the world, guys. Get in IPVanish VPN. Go to IPVanish.com forward slash lions and use promo code lions. L I O N S lions. Again, IPVanish.com forward slash lions and get your 70% savings. Again, ipvanishcom H.com forward slash lions. Now, I mentioned George Orwell. Of course, what's Orwell most famous for, right? I mean, he's got several books that are very famous, obviously Animal Farms up there. But when we talk about the seminal work that Orwell has, talking about censorship, talking about double talk, talking about the governments getting involved with how you imbibe information, how they control the flow of the narrative, how they control what is in fact truthfulness, what is in fact uh, designed to cause divisiveness and hate among the population and how they use that to control you, to split you off from family, to turn family member against loved ones, children against fathers, neighbor against neighbor. Well, of course it's 1984. So guess what book just got slapped with a trigger warning? Yes, trigger warnings designed to ostensibly protect the sensible little lambs among us who can't handle information or even facts that go against their understanding of the world, or at least the way that the government and the powers that be want them to understand the world. So, a university called, let's see, the University of Northampton, and this is over in the UK, has put a trigger warning on George Orwell's Orwell's novel on the grounds that it contains, quote-unquote, explicit material, which some students may find offensive and upsetting. Now, Orwell's novel, 1984, does have explicit scenes in it. It does have sex. It does have nudity. It does have things that would push the boundaries, but nothing that you would say should really trigger people that, that much, at least in my opinion, not that it would deserve to have a trigger warning on it, outside of perhaps what it's teaching people to think, what it's teaching people to believe, which is that the government does not have your best interest in mind, that there are power levers that are constantly being pushed and pulled in order to keep you complacent, to keep you complicit, to keep you, as I mentioned on my last show, a government soldier. Doesn't necessarily even have to be a military soldier, but a government soldier from an ideology perspective, from a ideas perspective, from a loyalty perspective. And that's why they are able to turn people against each other. This is why the battle for information, the battle for for reality is so prominent. Now, I would venture to say that these trigger warnings now have gone past the ideas where an it's not to protect the sensitivity, right? This is a smoke screen. The sensitivity smoke screen blowing past all of our windows, a billowing cloud of bullshit that basically is giving these people a pass to censor and proactively, because won't somebody think of the children, proactively censor content that they know could be provocative or raise questions in the minds of people that they, they want to toe the line, especially when it comes to government schooling, especially when it comes to the academia system and universities, which we know are tied in with big government or tied in with so many of these institutions. And of course, where did these universities get their money from? Oh, a ton of it's from the government, right? Especially state schools in the UK, universities in the UK, of course, universities free. So all their money coming from the government or from the taxpayers. So naturally, they don't want anything that's going to rattle the cage that they have built for these students that they're convinced they have to take part in. And Orwell is part of that. So what do they do? Well, kids... We're gonna slap a trigger warning on this for your own protection, right? This is content that could be detrimental to your psyche. This is something that could could deeply hurt you if you have something in your past, or maybe there's a sexual assault, or something in the past where there was a beating or something that's I mean, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of the different I, I'm trying to think explicitly of the things in 1984 that could be construed as trigger-worthy, right? And again, they're few and far between for me. But because they've got this scenario set up wherein these children are looking to their overlords at academic uh, academic universities, at places of higher learning to protect them from ideas that might be provocative, to protect them from, as I said, even real world facts and data, which is perverse to think about, that you have to be protected from reality, empirical reality. But this is fiction, of course, but even you have to be protected from fictional versions of reality if it triggers an emotional response. But it's so convenient because now they can just say, okay, which things are going to be the most dangerous to read? Which things are going to impact the population negatively on their outlook on government, on their outlook on control, on their outlook on censorship, on their outlook on academia, on their outlook on X, Y, and Z. And Oral's 1984 is all of those things, especially in the COVID era, especially when social media is being labeled misinformation, especially when you have Spotify... Now saying they're going to label any podcast that touches on COVID-19, COVID I said 18, <laughs> touches on COVID-19 with a label that says, hey, go and check this COVID information fact sheet. Everything, by the way. like it's I'm talking to somebody at Spotify today because we're, we're thinking about going over there. Now I don't think we will. I think it's a deal breaker. But because of this flap with Joe Rogan and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, which I'll talk about in just a bit. Now they're going to put anything COVID related with a handy dandy link that says, hey, make sure you go and check out our COVID-19 page. Now, what do you think is on the COVID-19 page, guys? Do you think it's all of the government narratives, half of which were disproven over the past year that were labeled as misinformation, right? All the facts that were labeled as misinformation removed from social media and banned your profiles over the past year that now have been proven to be accurate? Oh, well, you know, all those governments, all the government lies are up there, COVID-19, all the kowtowing to the authoritarian regime narrative is on there on that page. Point being, coming back around to this, you have a state wherein misinformation is the word to your. It is used liberally across virtually all content now, content censored, and you have trigger warnings being applied in the same way. But they know it's not just applied to misinformation. They know it's being applied proactively as a – basically as a blindfold for these kids that are trusting in the authorities, that are trusting the authorities have their best interests in mind and know what, what the best thing is for these kids. So it is basically a prophylactic. Imagine a big gooey condom, extra spermicide being slapped over all these kids' heads to protect them from any ideas filtering in, laying little baby idea brains in them, and actually sparking individual thought, independent thought, or any questioning of authority. That's what's happening with these trigger warnings. And it is by design. I didn't think about this when it first came out. I thought, this is just more woke woke idiocy, right? This is the snowflake generation demanding that they be protected from these thoughts from these ideas because they were too sensitive and it's a very self-centered generation right coming up it's a very sensitive generation now I realize how wrong I was I realize what an idiot I was to not see that these trigger warnings are coming from on top they're coming from on high as an additional lever of power because you can control what's being read not by force right that's the beauty of this it isn't through force it's by manipulation and the concept that these kids have a choice on whether or not to read that book. But if it has a trigger warning and these kids are brought up to think, oh, well, I'm a sensitive little flower or because I had something in my past or just because, you know, rape is yucky, right? Or sexual or, or just seeing naked people is yucky or, you know, x, y, z, beatings and torture yucky. Well, I don't want to read that book. It's got a trigger warning. How handy. How unbelievable the, the illusion of free will by virtue of trigger warnings that they put on these books, which dissuade the children from reading them, and they don't have to ban them, but it has the same practical effect. Amazing. I mentioned uh, Joe Rogan and Spotify. Now, let's see. Let me let me bring up Joe Rogan. Let me see. I might be too long to play in this. Um. But he had a uh, a statement that he put out in response to Spotify, basically saying to to Spotify and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And I I didn't have to tell anybody about this, but just in case you only get your news from me. Great idea, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Basically, Neil Young, who, by the way, had... Sold, I think, something like a thousand of his songs. And I, I couldn't believe that he has them. many songs I can't be correct. Maybe it's gotta be all versions of all god knows how many songs, but he sold his songs to a former Pfizer executive, right? And this big hedge fund group. So let's not think that Neil Young doesn't have any big corporate interest, and that Neil Young some sort of state or some sort of saint that doesn't kowtow to any profit margins or that strictly just follows his heart and what's right and wrong, right? Because he's sold out to the biggest pharma in the world. Again, the former Pfizer CEO. And you have to wonder if that Pfizer CEO maybe said, hey, Neil, how about you speak out against this Joe Rogan guy? You're on Spotify, right? You're a big name. How about you do me a favor? Now, I have nothing to prove this. This is just something that my wife had shown me. A video compiling it. I said, "Okay, let me check and see if this is accurate." It was, and I'll find the uh, I'll find the uh, the name of the Pfizer CEO he sold to. But isn't it convenient that this happened uh, when right as this is all blown up and and Joe Rogan's doing these interviews for years and years and years? Right, he's had his podcast forever. Why now at the end of the pandemic? When this Omicron is fading away, right? When it's far less dangerous, when people are maybe finally realizing that these vaccines aren't doing what we're being told they're doing. When public sentiment is turning against it, now's the time we got to really ramp this up. We got to attack this disinformation, right? Yeah, thanks, Neil. So let's see, he says he is, uh... (laughs) God damn it. It's so annoying trying to find who he sold this shit to. Okay, Merck Merck Mercur- Mercurioditis hi- Merc- Hypnosis Song Management Company. Hypnosis then merges with Blackstone in a $1 billion deal. And then they appointed Pfizer, former chairman and CEO, Jeffrey Kindler, as the company's senior advisor. Uh, senior advisors are responsible for tracking, analyzing, provide advice on the company's policy and operational issues. Their duties cut across, blah, 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 blah. blah. So anyway... The idea here is that, okay, so even though Kindler no longer, so he didn't sell it directly to Kindler, sorry. Kindler was a senior advisor on this Blackwater slash, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce it again, hypnagosis, whatever that fucking is. They sold it to that group, right, this catalog. This guy, former Pfizer CEO, sits on this board. Now he's a senior advisor. And of course, we think that probably, definitely pushed Neil Young and probably other artists that they have. I'm not sure if Joni Mitchell's under the same banner as this uh, this organization, this publishing group now that it owns the content. But one could surmise that the chances are good. One should really we need a, we need like a tracking or a tracking uh, software to see how many artists that demand censorship, how many artists that demand that their their content be pulled are members of this same cadre of publishing or content ownership groups. Because I'm sure there's quite a bit of overlap. But in general, you know, Joe Rogan he's saying that. Well, it's a podcast. I'm talking to people. I have conversations. And of course, the mainstream media is just freaking out about this, saying, and this I think is on a CNN panel, saying that disinformation being permitted to spread, right, that you're not, it's not that it's a First Amendment issue, right? This is like on a panel I was listening to, like a clip clip it's not that it's you don't have the right to be on a podcast because nobody has the right to be on a huge platform like Joe Rogan, right? Well, that's true. You don't have the right to be on a platform, but they said that it's a duty to go on and not spread disinformation. Like you don't have basically saying you don't have the right to go against a government narrative when talking about a quote unquote, life or death, death issue. That's how they position this, a life or death issue. Now, if I'm looking at things and there was another new study that just came out from Japan showing that Ivermectin or I shouldn't have said the word, probably get flagged now again, saying that Ivor, (laughs) Ivor uh, was safe and effective against COVID, right? This is a brand new study that had just come out. Now, in my opinion, it's far more dangerous, From a life or death perspective, when we know the early in the early instances of the virus being out there, the pandemic spreading when you had countries like India, which had been just destroyed with COVID because they have poor sanitation. You've got people living in very close conditions, not exactly the most hygienic. You have people living in giant family groups within the same domicile. You have people on trains that are packed to the gills. You ever seen trains in India for these commuters and these day laborers? You have people on top of each other, crammed in like sardines. Well, COVID's going to spread a lot faster in the situations. What did the government do? Well, Indian government gave Iver to all of these different groups, and they had an unbelievable amount of success. Studies showing that 56% drops in hospitalizations and deaths. So if we're talking about life and death issues, well, I have to think that it's far more deadly, far more dangerous for somebody to say that Iver doesn't work then it would be to have somebody on arguing that maybe the vaccines aren't as effective as we think, or that maybe they should have tried these other uses, or maybe just getting out in the sun and taking vitamin D and taking zinc is going to be highly effective. And we don't need to go down this and we don't need to do lockdowns and masks. Yes, maybe masks aren't effective. The CDC's admitted that masks aren't as effective and that they don't do anything. Why do you think all the pivots being made now to force children to wear N95 masks? which is just a child abuse. Clearly, the government has been either outwardly lying or just has gotten a lot of things wrong, right? And if that's the case, who's spreading more misinformation? Is it Joe Rogan having a conversation where he admits, I'm not a professional on this, I'm not a authority, but I'm gonna talk to people that are gonna give me a different perspective. And these people that he has on, it's not like a guy that came out from, he's like, hey, guess what? I've been out, you know, I, my, as a professional, I'm a male stripper. But let me tell you my professional male stripping opinion on the use of Iver, on the use of vaccines coming from, you know, a guy who rubs his thong up, on, up and down in a pole and gets dollar bills shoved into his pee hall, right? That's not who he's talking to. These people, like them or not, do have qualifications. And some of them have very high-level qualifications. So what makes your source CNN, what makes your government source that has qualifications that are equal in most cases to the people that are going on these shows, what makes them more reliable? Because they're backed by big pharma? Because they're backed by the government who have so much invested? Again, bad people theory, as I've talked about many times here. The politicians, the pharma companies and governments have so much invested in this being accurate and being correct because they know people will be up in arms. People will be coming for them. If this goes sideways, why do you think trigger warnings are going on Orwell's 1984? Because the people at the top are terrified of everybody else looking around and saying, you guys fucked us. You lied to us. You screwed us here. You ruined our lives. You locked our children away. You've cost us time, money, education, lives. I I didn't see the birth of my kid. I didn't get to bury my uncle, whatever it might be. So, they, of course, are going to back whoever, that, whoever it is that just says, oh, gladly, I'll take the money, I'll take the fame, and I'll kowtow to the narrative, rather than people that are willing to stand up and voice opinions. And let's not forget, this is supposedly the party of science, right? Like the government in control of the government right now, the Democrats have technical control of the government. Fauci says an attack on him is an attack on science. Well, guess what? Science works through trial and error. And when you find out that something doesn't work, you don't just keep doubling down on it again and again and again, which is what's happened. You decide, oh, you know what? We can see the data. We know this isn't working. Well, let's change it. Let's try something different or let's stop using it. In science, if a, if a good number of your patients aren't getting better, right? Well, then you try a different tact. If you tried something and the virus is still spreading, but nobody seems to be dying, why would you again triple, quadruple down on a tactic that doesn't do anything other than ruin people's lives. It doesn't save lives. We have all of the data. We have countries to compare it with. It's not like we're living in a bubble. It's not like we're in the ancient times where we were on an island and nobody in the island can talk to anybody else other than by carrier pigeon We have a fucking society where information exchange is free. We have countries that have done the opposite of what we've done and had the exact same statistical results or better results when it comes to COVID, when it comes to lockdowns, when it comes to economy, when it comes to all these things. And yet we keep doing. Absolutely mad. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, so Anthony says he's in a taxi back to his Airbnb. Had me down for a half an hour from now. Don't know Why? We literally said four o'clock PST. How does he have it done? He has it done for five. I, I, what What? What time zone? What clocks does this man use? Well, he's not coming on the show today. It's going to be too late. Because <laughs> I'm just using this as is. Uh, we'll reschedule him for another time. But what can you do? What can you do? Super spreader, stand me up, Samaroff. It's fine. Uh, let me take a moment, by the way, guys, to tell you about another awesome sponsor of ours, which is, of course, is iTrust Capital, longtime sponsor, fantastic sponsor of ours. Who's going to get you involved when you want to protect your assets with an IRA? Yes. Or a Roth IRA. Now. Of course, iTrust Capital, they are number one when it comes to the IRA game in regards to crypto-based portfolios, in regards to hard currencies. I'm talking about gold and silver investing, guys. They have that on their platform, which has over 25 cryptos on it. I just saw the other day I got an email, they added a brand new one, so I guess over 26. <laughs> but... You can also use it just for de- basic trading, Well, right? you don't have to use it for your account needs just for retirement, right? And the idea behind the IRA and Roth IRA is that you protect your money from the government taxes being taken out of it. Usually with these IRAs, you have to wait. You have to wait a certain amount of time to get your money out. Now you can take it out earlier, right? You can do that. But the idea is that it's for retirement. You can wait, take it out later on. However, with this platform, with iTrust, you can also just get in there and trade cryptos as you want right? You could get in there. They've got the lowest transaction fees in the industry. So you could get in there, trade your crypto, set it aside, have it safe from the government, especially which is so confusing now with these government stooges trying to figure out how they're going to tax it, this, that, and the other. So for crypto especially, which God knows, I'm I'm terrified what my taxes are going to be like this year. How much are you going to tax me on my Bitcoin that goes up and down 50% every other day? But point being, long-term, crypto is the way to go. Right. We know the funds. We know the value of crypto. We know Bitcoin is gonna be the go-to transactional. So get in there, get your account set up. And if you do, go to itrust.capital forward slash lions. Right. You can get a hundred dollars of Bitcoin for free by starting that account up. Right. Get in, you can transfer it over, you can create a new one, but you start that up hundred dollars of free Bitcoin. Get yourself in a tax-safe environment. And if you want, keep on trading, do all their stuff. Over over, uh, 1,500 views on Trustpilot, so you know they're backed up. They've got two different insurers to back them up as well. Crypto insurers, so your funds are safe. They're not going to be hacked and stolen. That's all there. Plus, you get a new report that they just put out a white paper on the scene on crypto, on investing. So make sure you check that out. itrust.capital forward slash lines. Okay, so I will... Now talk about, sorry, Anthony's literally, uh, (laughs) he says, I'm I'm to blame for telling him two hours later because we were originally supposed to record at two o'clock. So I said, we will now record at four o'clock, right? It should be fairly simple math, but he says, I am to blame for telling him two hours later. I will say, yes, two hours later from 2 PM PST is 4 PM PST. Ah, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, let's talk about, let me see what else. I had I myself. So fortunately, a couple of topics to back up. Um, oh, how about this? Talking about books. A Washington school board just voted to remove To Kill a Mockingbird from its curriculum due to racial sensitivity. Now, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird is designed to be racially uncomfortable. You are designed to want to... Like basically or not to want to you're designed to feel uncomfortable I mean you're designed to want to embrace the awkwardness embrace the the horror that is that that book and if you take that out if you say it's not you know I mean I don't know what you do instead right I mean if you pull out To Kill a Mockingbird, what are you going to replace it with? Ibram X. Kendi's All White People Are Evil. Well, To Kill a Mockingbird basically has that. It's a a story about a black man who is basically convicted, is murdered because he just happens to be a black man in the wrong place at the wrong time. Isn't that what we want our children to learn? I mean, yes, it's racially insensitive to who? I mean, you, you want people to be racially sensitive to the evils that happen in society. It's a classic book. It's taught... Millions of people to rethink how they look at race, how they look at interactions, their own biases, whether those are explicit or inward, the way in which they understand criminal justice, the way in which they understand evidence and railroading and how these things can work together, and mob mentality. You know, mass formation psychosis when it comes to rape, or or, excuse me, rape and race, when it comes to viewing the other as evil, as something to be feared instead of something to be interested in, something to be welcomed. This is pure liberal idiocy at work. I mean, I can't think of a dumber example. Honestly, I can't think of a dumber example of something. I mean, I guess it kind of is similar to, well, not, not that similar, right? Yeah, a Apu being removed from The Simpsons. A poo's character on The Simpsons existed to showcase how something could both be a stereotype, a racial stereotype, right? You have this Indian guy, he works at a quickie mart. And at the same time, he's a stereotype. Thank you. Come again. But he's also something that they can play off as a foil to showcase the ignorance of the other people in Springfield, to use him as a foil to say, be better than this. And when those morons took him off the show, it removed the ability to play with that character, to hold the mirror up to people and say, this is what you look like. This is ignorance. This is how you look when you treat people as a stereotype, when they're far deeper than that. And you can still have some fun with it. Now, To Kill a Mockingbird, not the most fun read, but it's still holding the mirror up to you and saying, this is what can happen. This is what has happened in the past, you know, in America, in the past. When we talk about Something that I could, I can, I don't have a problem with when it comes to a literary adaptation and interpretation of historical events. Now, this isn't based on a pure histori- historical event, but it's using it as inspiration. Yes, black men were railroaded. They were put on trial for crimes they didn't commit. They were hung essentially to protect others or as a, a scapegoat, kind of like the witches in Salem. They were a scapegoat for the broader problems that had, that were to blame in that town. It was an easy out to put everyone at ease in the town rather than having to look at each other, look at their neighbors, and wonder who did this horrible thing. So, this is a great example of what people can learn from. And yet, racial sensitivity, we're going to say the the same people that want to remove this book for racial sensitivity, to remove, to kill a mockingbird, an American classic for racial sensitivity are the same people that I guarantee are pushing critical race theory, are pushing you and your children, well, I say your children, not you so much, but are pushing your children to think of everything in regards to race and class, to think about how they are different from other people and to believe that they have been victims of a patriarchy, of a white supremacist society, that they have nothing to, to blame except white people. And somehow this is not racially insensitive? That racial sensitivity doesn't mean that you should probably not foment divisiveness, not foment hatred, not foment a environment in which people are looking at each other's differences rather than similarities. It's fucking bonkers. It's bonkers. I just, I mean, I I swear, man. And women. (laughs) And transsexuals. I swear, I just, the hypocrisy... That is blatant with all of these leftists. Is just it's mind boggling. That's where the cognitive dissonance just hurts me. It hurts me that these people don't see it. There was some guy, you know, I reviewed. Uh, don't look up, right? Which is which I enjoyed, but I, I went at it. Just I just made one comment. This guy uh, Torre, you know, he's got a big fun black guy, very very progressive black guy, and of course he posts that. Don't look up is an indictment of right wing you know, uh, idiocy and right-wing ignorance when it comes to climate change and COVID. And I wrote back, I was like, buddy, your hypocrisy here is so blatant. I was like, do you not realize you're accusing these people of being ignorant, of not looking at reality in front of their faces. You are equally guilty of everything that you're accusing them of. And the fact that you don't see it is just laughable. Naturally, some other dummy, Replies to me because, of course, this guy's got you know six hundred thousand followers. Replies to me and says, "Captain, what aboutism to the rescue?" Which this idiot Torre retweets. What about what I said was what aboutism? Was anything in that what aboutism? No, no. These people use what aboutism. Which, by the way, what aboutism is the mating call of the moron. I'm telling you, whataboutism is a go-to phrase for people that can't think of anything clever to respond to, or don't understand the point that's being made. People were using whataboutism when you would criticize, you know, judicial uh, results, showcasing how one thing doesn't make sense in the context. Like they would, for example, I remember people talking about whataboutism when I, I was pointing out the absurdity of, you know, General Flynn. Getting uh, thrown into jail for doing basically nothing except his job and talking to the Russians, and comparing that to Hillary Clinton getting off despite all the things she did, right? All the all the things that violated beyond a doubt fifty times over, more than than Flynn ever did, and conspiring with foreign powers during an election, right? Conspiring to create a conspiracy for the incoming president, all these other things. And they go, well, that's what aboutism? No. No, showcasing two things that have similar circumstances with completely disparate outcomes is not whataboutism. That is showcasing hypocrisy. And me informing this guy that he's a hypocrite because he does the exact same thing he's accusing the right wing of doing is the least whataboutism ever. I'm not saying what about anything. I'm just pointing out that you do the same thing. And this guy retweets Captain Whataboutism as though it means anything as though it's a it's an ace he thought it was such a clever response that it was an ace in the hole that he had to retreat I mean this is this is what we do this guy's got like 600,000 followers shocking shocking uh, how have another thing Like while well, well, we're talking about race and gender and everything else so I will uh, talk about this you know I just think it was so funny right you've got Basically, Joe Biden going in, he was saying that he's going to put in explicitly a black woman to the Supreme Court. Now, this is funny because the view, which I'm not going to go into the view too much. They're they're just atrocious imbeciles. Of course, we know that (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) really put her foot in it recently because just yesterday, she had said the Holocaust wasn't about race. And you know, I could get in a way what she's saying. She was saying, well, it's because it's not about black and white, right? You know, it's and she's she's in the mindset, this this super progressive mindset of everything is strictly by the color of your skin that you define things by. And look, you can come at me over this. I don't think Jews are a race. And here's why you can't convert to a race. Judaism is a religion. Okay, you could say people that are from Israel or people that are—I uh, guess—a genetic, a, a genetic lineage of that type or a race, Middle Eastern uh, or Arabic. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of them came from different regions, so maybe say import whatever they might be. I can't. I don't think you can say that Jews are a race. They are spread out. They there are many Jews that look many different colors. And are many different lineages and bloodlines and blood types from all over the world. I just don't think you could call it race. Like I said, if I can't convert to being black, but I can convert to being Jewish, you can see where the disparity is there. However, let's not, you know, let's not get too fine of a point here. When you're saying that it wasn't about race or it wasn't about, it was because the Jews were viewed as a different race from the rest of the Nazis, the rest of the German population, right? They were striving for a white, you know, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, homogenous society, and they wanted to have only the best of the best and the best of the best, by their definition, right? The genetic best of the best. So they viewed Jews as genetically inferior. Fine. I would say that is a race classification or a, uh, I don't even know, an evolutionary classification by the Germans. Regardless— what a stupid thing to say by Whoopi Goldberg to say that it wasn't based on, on race as though there's is a, a huge difference between people hating each other, killing each other over a difference in genetics, which is what it boils down to. She's an idiot. But the view also was going after again after you know, she says this today. But days ago, she's going after uh Clarence Thomas. And uh, Amy Cohen Barrett for being traitors to the race and their gender. And it's just, it's like these, again, these people just don't seem to understand how completely hypocritical. I mean, it's just, they say these things with zero understanding of irony, right? They're saying that Clarence Thomas doesn't represent the black community, Right. Clarence Thomas, as a man who's been on the Supreme Court for God knows, I don't even know how long, what, 30 years, right? He, uh, quite a long time. He didn't have any of the advantages that so many black Americans have today insofar as programs that are designed to boost up black America, hiring procedures, uh, you know, education procedures, online charities, all these other things that are now really hyper-focused on pushing forward black America, right? Clarence Thomas didn't have any of that. He had to get ahead on what he had at the time, you know, hard work, intelligence, probably had some connections here and there. Let's not, you know, to get to the Supreme Court, you got to do something here or there a little bit. But point being, how is Clarence Thomas not more black than, I don't know, any of the candidates that would be nominated to the Supreme Court right now, right? And like, I'm not the judge of blackness. I'm not trying to pretend I am. But just let's just break it down and just say, how is he not representative of black America? having been in Black America longer than almost anybody else out there, having been in this game, having to prove himself daily, working in the halls of power where I'm sure when he was not probably welcomed anywhere near as much as people would be welcomed now, when he was put in that position, when he's fighting his way up through the ranks to get notoriety, to to make a name for himself to the point where you can become a Supreme Court justice. How is he not representative of Black America, of the fight? So apparently, according to The View, he is a race trader because he doesn't think it's a good idea that when Stephen Breyer retires that they just name a black woman as a replacement and eliminate all other candidates from consideration. I mean, this is like what I was talking about when it comes to the entertainment industry or any any of these other industries that focus on diversity and inclusion, right? And I just saw the Gersh agency just named some jackass to take over as their head of diversity and inclusiveness, right? To really push forward all that they're doing to make sure they have a representative, diverse pipeline of yabba, blah, blah, blah. blah. That sounds nice. The guys, I'm sure, getting paid $250,000 a year to do it. But when it comes down to, practically... And this is the same with the Oscars demanding more diversity and all this other shit. What it comes to practically is you're talking about a portion of the population, which is 20%, right? We're talking about black America of 20%. If you're saying, well, I'm only going to go after a black female candidate, right? Half the black population is male. So you cut them out. Now you've lowered your population that you're going to find somebody from down to 10%. How many of those 10% are lawyers? right, have a a deep understanding of the legal system that are black women. One percent? I don't know. I don't know what the level of what the the ratio of black female lawyers is or black female professors in the legal realm might be. But you're talking about one of the most powerful positions in the world, right? Not just the country, in the world, because the Supreme Court dictates how much power the government has, right? Well, it used to anyway. Used to be a check on it. One of the most powerful positions in the entire world and a lifelong position. You've now narrowed it down to 1% of the population that you're looking at. And and even vastly less than that, probably of the people that could be considered potentially qualified for this position, 0.001% of the population. And that's the, that's what you've given us. That's your, that's your criteria. It's fundamentally stupid. And it's the same thing with entertainment business, the same thing with anything else where they're saying we're just going to go after people in this. You are completely just making your talent pool minuscule. And then you're going to tell me that the content coming out, that the that the hires, that the talent, that the Supreme Court justices, that the whatever it might be, that the teachers, that the whatever are going to be the best of the best when you are eliminating 95% of the fucking population before you even start looking? It's the opposite of meritocracy. It's the opposite of logic. It's the opposite of just basic statistical, I mean, consistency in terms, find the best in any way possible. Don't limit yourself. Just, it's absolute madness absolute fucking madness. But what can you say? Let's see what Joe Biden finds. I'm sure he'll be really cracking along. Maybe it will be Kamala Harris, right? Wasn't well, that the rumor that they're just gonna make Kamala Harris there? That way they don't have to worry about running her out again because she's terrible. Nobody likes her. Can you imagine just having to sit next to her in the Supreme Court as she interrupts and yells over everybody as she yammers on? I mean, I'd mean, i say she would be the most incoherent person on it, but we saw what Sotomayor's level of, of competence is, which is basically zero. So, but again, there's no accountability. The CDC didn't correct Sotomayor after she went on her 100,000 kids, many on ventilators statement. And, and that was just one of many falsehoods that was perpetrated in that hearing. So I guess Kamala can just go up there and, and cackle in the middle of whatever it might be. Second Amendment? <laughs> Piracy off the bounty? <laughs> <You> know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. This, that doesn't seem to matter anymore. All right. Last thing. I'll wrap this up. My, uh, should I just still title the episode? I I almost tempted to do a Dan Smots, you know, which is funny if you did, if you missed it, by the way, Dan Smots, happy 300th episode to Dan over at the system is down pod. He's uh, one of our favorite guys and is actually collaborating with me right now on the new look, the new sound of uh, what's going to happen on the show next. So stay tuned for that. It's gonna be very exciting launching in March. But he is a great uh, ongoing campaign. Actually, I should just pull it up and run it. Um, hold on, I'll give him some nice, some nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll give him some nice promo here, just because it's such a funny, a funny little clip. And uh, basically, he has a hilarious thing that he did, wherein he calls out Dave Smith for being too cowardly to go on his podcast. And it's been uh, a back and forth going for quite some time now. Dave refuses to go on the show. Dan, uh, on his 300th episode, which I did a call in, I did a little comedy roasting uh, jokes on there. So make sure to check that out. It's very funny. But he now has a video to catch a coward. The Dave Smith story. And he had some other ones that are shorter. I'm trying to see if I can play that one first, but nah, I'll just play his most recent one. This is, uh, this is his most recent he's doing. He's been pretty clever with these things. (laughs) Let me cue this up and I'll play it for you right now. Let me share my screen. Boop, boop, beep, boop. And there we go. All right. To catch a coward is the visual graphic that's on the screen. To
1: go like this, you know? I was a fan of Dave. I didn't set out to do anything other than be friends with him. You know, a lot of people don't seem to really understand like the gravity of this situation. I mean the only words I can really use for it are irrational and like repugnant. Yes, I am just some little stupid podcaster, but this is more to do with the lies and deception from Dave Smith. I mean, you can call me a conspiracy theorist if you want. I don't really like that term. I don't think it really applies here, but if you look at all these different things from Porkfest to the Break the Cycle incident to now with the internet dropping out, you know, how many of these things can just be coincidences? If this is the way he's treating People like me. How do you think he's going to treat people like Joe Sixpack once he becomes the president of the United States? Is that really the type of leadership that this uh, this party or this caucus or this country needs right now? I've gotten a lot of uh, pushback for the way I've handled this, and I think I've been nothing but fair in this whole ordeal. I like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You know, I, I tried to give everybody a fair shake, but. You can only you can only take so much.
0: <laughs> uh, there we go. Anyway, so there it is, and yeah, Dave Smith, get your ass on that show. Supposedly, it's actually happening. I think. I think. It's happening today when the show airs. I'm doing this live for the Pride. So I was supposed to be talking to Sam Roth here for the Lions of Liberty Pride, which by the way, you could join. Go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. Join, get access to our secret pride group on Facebook, get access to all the bonus content, conspiracy corners, a new one's just popping now. Uh, good morning, fuckhead rants from me, which are Dino Might, and watch along with us, have a good time. Also, lions of liberty locals. Go and join there. But I think Dave's going to be on today, but we'll see if it happens because Dan had announced that Dave Smith's going to be on the show, and then he had a show called the Dave Smith episode, which was his episode 300, and it had the guy Dave from Dave vs. Goliath and Josh Smith. So he had technically Dave Smith, just not the Dave Smith. So very exciting to see what's going to happen there. Also, while I'm talking about podcasts, I'll uh, tell you, Burn in Daylight, another awesome podcast, our buddy Matt McKinley. Over there, burning, B-U-R-N-I-N, daylight. Uh, Matt's funny guy. He's out there, Nevada, ranching, uh, riding horses, hustling cattle, talking shit, drinking whiskey. Great listen, and uh, very funny stuff. And especially the early episodes, if you go way back, you literally just, it's like you just hear him riding on a horse, <laughs> just talking into his phone. Pretty funny. All right, last story. Uh, pure evil. We'll call this story Pure Evil, because that's what it is. And this is showcasing, if you want to see just how perverse, how disgusting, and how punitive the COVID cult regime is, this story sums it up perfectly. And this is on Politico to show you to show you the worms turning. Now, this is Politico in the European Union. We just had Bill Maher had a, a big thing where he had uh, Barry Weiss on talking about the COVID regime, and talk about how this all is insane. He also just had a great quote, by the way. And, and I tried to watch the whole episode, but it kind of pissed me off because he's still very left. But at least he's fair. And just recently, I tweeted this out, which you can follow me at Brian McWilliams. Uh, but I just recently tweeted this out saying that he had the best quote I've ever heard Bill Maher say, right? The absolute best. And what he had said was that Democrats no longer possess the common sense to know that not every problem can be fixed with a regulation. Democrats have to stop thinking that what voters dream about is to be hassled. Amen, Bill. Slow clap, buddy. Slow clap. That is prolific. I just hope that Democrats are waking up to that realization as well. Now I hope that they wake up to a realization that all regulations are terrible, and that we need to you know, really crush all of these things at once, rather than just say, "Well, let's just pull it back a little bit because regulations are mostly good." Another topic that Anthony and I were probably going to talk about on the show today, but we didn't get into. But regardless, I think I should still title the episode "Anthony." I mean, I'll, st- I'll title the episode "Stood Up by Super Spreader Samaroff and just roll with it. I think it's hilarious. I think there's no there's no downside to it. Everybody wins. But anyway, okay. Getting back to pure evil. This hospital, right? It's a UK hospital. I'm sorry. It's a Greek hospital. This is in Athens. A three-year-old boy from Cyprus was initially denied treatment in a foreign hospital because his parents were unvaccinated, has raised concerns about whether doctors should be allowed to turn away patients. Which, by the way, is what Howard Shitbag Stern wants for everybody. Howard Stern, of course, who is the most pro-censorship, pro-death, if you don't kowtow to the government, that has ever lived. I I've Disgusting, lost all respect for him. And I just, I want him just to disappear. I want him gone. He's down the memory hole for me. I'm I'm flicking him out of my own mind. I I don't want to hear anything from that piece of shit ever again. But basically what happened here is that this kid was denied going to hospitals because his parents were unvaccinated. And they said that because they were unvaxxed, they were not allowed to come to the hospital. They weren't allowed to... You know, what do they, you know, intern you know, I don't know, whatever it is to drop him off to get him in the procedure to be there with him. And because the kid's three years old, he's a minor. He has to have an adult with him to get the procedure going. However, you think, okay, if you don't allow us to come in, how about we have a legal guardian come in and do it for him? Can we do that? Can we have a grandparent that is vaccinated do it instead? Oh, well, that's what Cyprus, Cyprus suggested he do, but. When they said, okay, yep, government, will take your suggestion. Here you go. Government turned it down. Turned it down. So they, in turn, now have to go run all over the place, right? They tried to go to the UK. They tried to go to Israel. They were turned down for the exact same reason. Oh, sorry. They were originally from Germany. There we go. I finally found it in the article. They buried it, but they're originally from Germany. So they were turned down in Frankfurt. They tried to find specialized health centers in the UK, in Israel. The UK and Israel both turned them down because they weren't vaccinated. Two countries, by the way, the UK, this is before because the UK now has rolled back all this idiocy. I, I've said idiocy way too many times in this pop. I'm going to stop using that word. No more, Brian. So they, you know, they, the UK has rolled back all their COVID stuff it doesn't work. So this must have been previous to this. Israel, which is one of the most vaccinated populations in the world, also recently just said, this isn't working. You have all people reading bylines from the health ministry saying, this isn't working. Let's stop doing it. They will turn this kid away because the parents weren't vaccinated, even though they have a legal guardian who was vaccinated, turned him away. Finally, they airlift him to Greece Saturday and he'll get an operation at a private hospital in Athens, which is going to give him the chance to live. Uh, Let's see. Quote, I know that unvaccinated patients are admitted to hospitals in Germany, said the boy's father. I don't know that I had to be vaccinated for my child to be operated on that hospital. If I knew of it, of course I would have done it. I'm healthy. I do not want to be vaccinated. I find it inappropriate for someone who is healthy to be vaccinated. Well, I agree with you. And it just sucks that this kid, you know, is basically going through a life or death situation uh, because... He wasn't vaccinated and he couldn't get that va- you know, fully vaxxed, it takes weeks. You know, it's like I had to race to get vaccinated to go to, to uh Austria. And I had to get Pfizer, right? To much to my chagrin, I had to get Pfizer because it was the only one I could get in a short enough period of time to get over there. Because in LA, you can't find Johnson Johnson vaccine anywhere. They blacklisted it. Literally, it's you cannot find it. So that's the face of pure evil. That's the downside. We talk about COVID. We talk about people taking this cult mentality to a beyond logical perspective, to a position where you're telling me that this kid, right? We know that the kid's not going to transmit it. The kid's not going to spread it. He can't even get vaccinated. The kid can't come with a legal guardian. That is vaccinated. Why? I mean, what, what possible reason would you have for that other than being punitive, other than being of the outward mentality of fuck anybody that doesn't get vaccinated? How dare you not comply? And we're going to let your kid die because of it. That's the only thing I could think of because there's no other, I mean, there's really no other reason that you could ever give. And they, they're, they didn't give a, a concrete reason why they're not letting this kid's legal guardian Come in and just give it to him to take him in and have the surgery. All you're doing is walk in. You're not performing the surgery. So what other solution is there other than to say, well, Occam's razor, the simplest solution is usually correct. They want to be punitive. They want to showcase this kid died because you're unvaccinated. Go get your shot. Bingo, bingo. All right, guys, that's going to do it from me, not from Anthony Samaroff. And I want to say from your good pal, Brian Clems, from the Lions of Liberty which of course we have three shows here on the network and I'm going to be publishing a bonus episode on the electric Liberty land solo feed. Of course, remember we have three different feeds as well as the main feed here. You can listen to the main feed. We're also doing a lions of Liberty libertarians in living rooms, drinking liquor show special for the main feed. Again, you can get that early by joining our Patreon or our, uh, our locals accounts. You'll get that content uh, published early to you, but it will be publishing on the main feed. So again, reasons to keep the main feed as well as the three solo feeds. Bonus episode coming on the solo feed will be out on Saturday and uh, the Libertarians in the Living Room drinking liquor will be out shortly uh, next week, I think. So or maybe actually, maybe on Saturday or Sunday itself. I'll have to see how quickly we get, we get it out there. But anyway, thanks for listening. Please share the show. Please share a, tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and retweet all our stuff and post about us and uh, I don't know, blow us kisses. Five-star reviews, obviously always great on iTunes. That's it. From me from Electric Liberty Land I want to tell you to always stay plugged in to liberty <music>